Hi everyone and welcome to the Pama Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show. And today we're in part two of a series with um, my new friend, uh, Victoria Sun Esparza. Um, so welcome back to the show. Thanks, James. I am excited to be here again with you. Yes, yes. Um, last time we talked about design thinking and empathy uh, and how that relates to theology and church and culture, uh, society as a whole. And today, I mean, we, end with, and we ended kind of at the point we want to begin today, which is talking about curiosity um, in relation to a lot of those areas as well. Um, because uh, this is kind of a series, so this is the second one of the series. So, um, yeah, welcome back. Um, it's good to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, um, excited to talk a little bit more about curiosity today. Yes, curiosity. And the curiosity is one of my favorite subjects, and we don't, it's something I don't think it's talked about enough, actually. I've wanted, I've talked about it on this show a lot, but not spent a whole episode talking about it. So I'm really excited to talk about it because it's, I think it's a really, really important subject. Um, so, yeah, yeah just just um, take it away, Victoria. <laughs> yeah, so I can start, you know, uh, last week we talked a little bit about what we mean when we talk about design. And, you know, if, if, I guess if your listeners didn't hear that first part, then I'll, I'll give a quick recap. But Essentially, when I use the word design, I'm thinking about the kinds of experiences that we're creating for people. And I make the argument that every pastor, every person in ministry, um, any person of faith who leads other people of faith, uh, we're all designers. Because at the end of the day, we're creating spiritual experiences for people. That's our goal. Um, And I think that curiosity is often uh, very much left out of those conversations because we see it as something that uh, is irrelevant. And I think uh, we couldn't be more wrong because I think curiosity is such an integral part of understanding people um, and, and particularly uh, kind of diving into the places where maybe there is mis- being misunderstood, other people are misunderstood, um, and curiosity kind of helps us discover some of those things and allows us to connect more deeply uh, with our communities through doing that. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, and the, yes, the, yeah. It's really, really fascinating how design impacts everything. That story about the submarine we had last week and yeah, the um, the MRI scan is uh, such a powerful metaphor that for, uh, for for how design influences how we interact with the world. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I think curiosity is a big part of that. And um, one of the things that I, mm. I think about often is the ways that we kind of use big words in church and you know some of us have I've, I've been to seminary I know lots of theological leaders have been to seminary uh, but lots of our congregation members have not and we really don't spend a lot of time uh, being curious about the words that we use and how our congregation is using mm. them and I can give you examples so when I say the word God uh, my image of God is almost certainly not the image of God that you imagine and Absolutely. when we spend time in our churches using words that we just assume other people have, have we have shared meaning, uh, there can be a lot of disconnect. And I think that part of the reason I'm passionate about pushing people to really uh, adopt curiosity as a part of their work is because I think it actually helps them uh, dig past the places that we just kind of assume we all have the same answer. 
Um, I, to me, that's the biggest barrier to curiosity is not disinterest, but mm. the assumption that we uh, all have the same opinion or all share the same definition. And I have learned that that's almost never true. Uh, and it, but it requires us to take the time to ask those questions, to uh, spend time listening, to asking for clarity on things that we, even if we assume we understand, asking for that clarity. Um, because often what I have discovered in my own work, others have discovered in the, their work, is that the words they've been using, we're not all using them in the same way. Um, and particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to faith, that's so important because uh, the way we think about God, the way we think about church, the way we think about community, um, can have such a big impact on what we need and how we're trying to explain those needs to other people. Um, and if we're not really taking the time to understand the words we're using, then uh, mm. it's very likely that we're we're kind of missing each other. That's right, that's right. Curiosity is such a... It's a word that has such potential for me. As someone, someone who's really passionate about just the creative process uh, in... And principles of creativity in not just in art, but in how we create our lives and how we create our experiences and you know, the, the, create the world that we live in. It, curiosity is is such a powerful word. It's a it's a it's a mechanism to start something new. Uh, it's an opportunity, uh, and yeah. it takes courage to have curiosity, uh, but. It's also from in my certainly in my experience, it's how we grow. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. You know, one of the things that I, I teach when I talk about curiosity and creativity is that we have uh, kind of we've been conditioned as adults to kind of lean into these fears that really prevent us from being creative. And I think that one of those fears is um, being curious is seen as somehow uh, it makes you weak by asking mm. questions that somehow either you don't know. Or, or you're placing a judgment on somebody for asking questions. Um, I, one of the most common experiences that I, I have is that when I'm asking people a lot of questions, they become immediately very skeptical <laughs> because they either assume that, A, I'm trying to trap them and that I'm trying to, like, you know, trip them up when, by asking them lots of questions, um, or, B, I'm somehow judging what they're saying. And I think that, like, that, to me, points to the ways that adults are so uh, fearful of uh, kind of leaning into curiosity, that there's not a lot of space in kind of your average adult relationship to, to just be curious for the sake of being curious. Um, and I think that when you choose to adopt that into your into both your workplace, into your professional life, into your personal life, uh, it, it can really shape the kinds of relationships you have because people uh, have to take some time to adjust to, oh, this person isn't criticizing me because they're asking questions. They're genuinely interested and want to know me. Um, and, and the fact that like that is generally our kind of social response, I think, speaks to uh, how little we value creative or curiosity uh, in in our workplaces and in our everyday lives. Yeah, true. We're culturally conditioned that curiosity is a bad thing. You know, I mean, that phrase mm-hmm. everyone knows that phrase: curiosity killed the cat, or what did curiosity do to the cat? You know, and it's like that's always that's always been trotted out. You know. Don't be, don't be too curious because you can get yourself in trouble. And so that gets, that gets into your subconscious. That gets into your, like your DNA. Like, oh no, don't be too curious. You know, don't take too many risks. Uh, and, absolutely. And that's really dangerous when you start to think like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that we uh, often, and this starts pretty, pretty young too, right? Like think mm. about how. We kind of think kids are annoying for asking why. 
uh, when kids really just want to know why. And and I think that we don't leave a lot of space in our society. We pretty early condition kids out of being curious, that mm-hmm. asking lots of questions, you know, constantly asking why or how does this work or what is this, is considered annoying. And so as you become a teenager and as you get older, we kind of adopt these social behaviors in which asking lots of questions becomes unacceptable. And the problem with that is that our ability to communicate with, other, with each other is only as good as uh, how, how much we share a common definition of language. And I, I talk about this a lot because I think it's so important that we often, when we're talking about big problems, like we're, we're using words that don't really have a specific meaning. They have like a general meaning. But if I say the word community or say the word faith or I say the word love, like any of those words can be interpreted a hundred ways. Mm. And part of the challenge is that we don't take the time to really ask the people around us, when you use the word faith, what are you talking about? When you talk about what it means to feel loved, what do you mean? You know, when we don't take the time to be curious in those ways, um, we actually have no idea if we're using the words the same way. Uh, and that can be pretty problematic and ultimately lead to kind of the divisions that we talked about a little bit last week. Um, because we're we're using the same language, but we're kind of we're com- we're missing each other. We're completely passing each other uh, because we we may not recognize that we don't have uh, maybe the, sh- the same kind of shared definitions. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We're not communicating, even though we're using similar language. You know, or the same words, even you know, uh, because we're all different, and we all have different stories. And story is what we'll get onto next week. Um, you can always see, you can already see where kind of this is going. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, it, but yeah, curiosity is so much about creativity and about the kind of the kind of how we create our lives and how we create the spaces that we live in. Um, and in terms of, I mean, in terms of church, what does a curious church look like? That is such a good question. Um, First, I would love to. I would love for a church. If I was like, how would you describe yourself? A church said, we're, "We we would describe ourselves as curious." <laughs> I think that would be incredible. It would. It'd um, be awesome. Yeah. I think that a curious church looks like a church um, that spends a lot of time asking asking people in the congregation, asking each other within the community, uh, what do these words mean to us? Constantly revisiting the meaning of practices, revisiting the meaning of, um, you know, the roles of particular aspects of worship, uh, you know, asking why do we do what we do? Is this still what we need? Um, these kinds of, like, constant check-ins that, and, and that being a part of the culture. Um, and also kind of encouraging for congregation members and people within the community, not just leadership people, to be able to come forward really with any questions. And I think that we say that we invite those questions, but often uh, we we don't really like them when they come. <laughs> um, and I think a curious church really invites people, especially when they disagree or feel frustrated or maybe unheard, um, to really step in and say, let's talk about it. Like, like help me understand where you're coming from um, and really making an effort to, to listen in a way that, that um, unlocks maybe something new for us, um, which, like we talked about last week, is, is part of that building empathy. But I think curiosity takes a step further, which is to say, I have no agenda here other than I just want to understand more. I want to know who you are. Um, I want to know what you mean and why it matters to you. And I think a curious church creates the space and the culture in which that becomes the norm rather than the occasion. Mm-hmm. And I think that many of our churches, it's very much the occasion. I don't think we spend hardly any time uh, really, really asking those tough questions, really revisiting what does communion mean and why do we practice it X number of times a month or a year? Um, you know, 
why do we include these elements in our services? Uh, what is the role of these particular things? And and not asking because we want to tear them down or take them away, but asking because what do these things mean now? You know, the congregation we had 10 years ago is not the congregation we have now. So, so how do we evolve and understand how these things have shaped and taken on new meaning when there's new people here? Um, and, and creating a culture that really um, embodies that and, and values that as a, a kind of community. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and... That's 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 absolutely spot on. I've I've actually interviewed a guy on my podcast who created a spiritual community which was not a church per se, but was so intent on asking questions that it even questioned its own existence. Mm. Like at one point, and uh, kind of said, um, "Like if you don't if you don't need to be here, then don't be here." You know, <laughs> um, you know, and we need to we need to keep asking ourselves why we're here and why why we're doing what we're doing. You know, and it was oh, it was fantastic to uh, talk to him about yeah. that um, and I just thought this is a model of what a spiritual community could be like if we are if we're willing to be curious and willing to be humble as yeah well. I think that's such a great point James I think you know that's such a good example of how I think we're actually afraid of curiosity because mm. sometimes we're like if we we can ask we're okay with asking like three or four questions maybe that fifth or sixth question is just a little bit too far and I think that example of asking why do we even exist feels like too far and I think that's why lots of churches and individuals uh kind of feel afraid of stepping into curiosity because uh it's like well if I never ask the question then I never need to hear an answer that I don't want to have <laughs> yeah um, but the problem is that if we, when we don't ask those questions somebody asks them for us and uh we don't have an answer or uh somebody leaves because they felt like we ignored their question and I think that curiosity uh shouldn't be something we're afraid of and I think the, the very nature of design is to say that, like, it's never perfect, and we're always asking for better and more, um, and the best is still out there. The best is always out there. And I think that when we adopt a mindset of curiosity, we give ourselves the freedom to say that, like, this whole thing we've been doing may not be working anymore. And it's like this, almost like this holding in with open hands and saying, like, mm. I really want to know the truth, as opposed to maybe I know that this isn't working and I'm going to keep my eyes shut and hope that we can just carry on. Um, or we can say, let's be curious, let's ask the questions, let's do the hard work, and, and really ask ourselves, you know, what, what should we keep? What should we get rid of? Where are people at? Um, and what are we missing right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just asking those tough questions. Uh, and I just realized that, you know, that curiosity requires, it requires humility and self-awareness mm -hmm. because you've got to make tough decisions. You might have to lose your job as a result of being curious you know it's uh you know you dare to think of a different possibility and you know like yeah but so it takes courage to be curious but absolutely, absolutely. Uh, about it about a year ago i was leading a workshop and it was uh around innovation and youth ministry and mm -hmm. the the groups that were there were uh had been selected they'd put in like work, they had submitted applications and it was like kind of a retreat setting and the groups had all come with, they had a requirement of a certain number of adults and a certain number of youth and then a leader from their church. And this, this smaller table, uh, you know, they didn't have enough people to pair up and they had one really shy student and it happened that her mom had, was one of the adults that had went on the trip. And so they decided they were just going to pair up. And I was doing this activity with them to talk about the importance of curiosity and how curiosity helps us develop empathy. And this activity was like really simple. It, it basically is uh, you practice interviewing somebody for four minutes 
uh, you one person asks questions, one person answers, uh, and, and it, it's only one way. And then the timer goes off, and you switch, and you do that twice. So a full, you know, eight minutes total of interviewing somebody else. And this mom uh, came up to me after the session was over, and she, like was crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, why are you crying? <laughs> and and she said, you know, you had us do this activity, and my daughter's really shy, so I asked her if you know, we could just partner up. And, and the topic you gave us, I kind of rolled my eyes because I was like, this is useless to my daughter because the topic I gave them was um, describe your morning routine. Like, what is your morning routine like? From the moment you wake up to whenever you get to school or, or work, what does that time in between look like? And she said, you know, my daughter's 13 and we get ready every single morning. I drive her to school at the same every single day. And today was the first time that I ever considered that my daughter has a different experience of how our morning routine goes. And it has made me realize that I don't ask her nearly enough questions because the answers that she was giving me about her experience of our morning routine and my experience of our morning routine were vastly different. And it made me realize that I should be asking her these kinds of questions about all every area of our lives, not just getting ready, but like serious things and important things and I had no idea that I was missing out on so much of my daughter's opinion. And it was like this moment where I just was like, you know, this mom's crying. And she was like, I just can't thank you enough for like this gift that you've given me. And, and I, you know, I cheered up to her and I, I said, thank you. And we talked a little bit more. And I think about that often because to me, like that is the, that is the power of curiosity is that when we can step past the assumption that we have the answer and we really allow ourselves to ask questions that we think are irrelevant it can genuinely transform our relationships because it opens our eyes to the fact that our realities are very different than how we assume others to be. And thinking about this mom particularly and, and her kind of sharing, like, this is fundamentally shaping, you know, and making me question the way that I parent <laughs> uh, because mm-hmm. I realize that how important it is to ask my daughter uh, questions that I think are silly, questions that I think are not very important um, because I realize that, I've made so many assumptions about how, how she feels and how different things make her feel. Um, and would I be a better parent if I understood those things differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes an immense amount of risk and humility to be like, oh my gosh, what if I'm parenting my kid wrong? Um, and, and curiosity kind of forces us to face that if we really allow it to. Mm, yeah, it really does. Um, it, it is a radical shift to begin being curious because by being curious you're literally questioning what is already what you know you're questioning what you know it kind of goes against everything to do with certainty of any kind whether it's religious certainty or any other kind of certainty Uh, because certainty teaches you not to be curious and just to settle where you are and not to ask questions and curiosity says (laughs) no says no <laughs> you don't do that um you ask you ask you question everything you question you listen you pay attention you step out you take risks nothing is set in stone you know everything is in flux uh yeah and it's it's yeah, yeah. it's powerful i agree I, and i think that's part of the reason i think we shy away from it is because curiosity mm. really when we adopt it, it, it becomes something that we can't control. We have no idea what comes on the other side. Um, but I think that it becomes all the more important to do because I think so few people are really committed to it. And I think that 
at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I would like to think that curiosity helps us get to whatever the truth is, you know, whatever that means, um, a little bit closer. But I think what I have seen more often in my work is that curiosity has revealed to me that uh, through, through being more curious is that multiple realities can exist at the same time. Um, that we don't have to figure out, you know, am I wrong because you said this or, you know, are you wrong because I believe this. Um, but curiosity kind of just accepts wherever people are. And I think that, um, especially in our faith settings, that, that can be such a powerful thing to do. Um, and, and I totally agree with you. It's a very scary thing to do uh, because it's to say, what if all of us are right? What if all of us are wrong all at the same time? Um, and But I think that's like more honest to the, the complexity of the human experience. And when we really value asking those questions and, and just listen, like asking questions just to hear the answers for no other reason, uh, people feel so validated simply for who they are. Um, I think that one of the most powerful things that I have learned through doing design work is that uh, people love to talk about themselves. They love to share their stories. Um, they love to be asked questions. And whenever I, that exercise that I, I described, whenever I do that with people, they always think that four minutes is a really long time to ask another person questions. And they also think four minutes is a really long time to answer questions. And then inevitably, every time the timer goes off, when I say, okay, it's time for you to switch roles, people are in the middle of a sentence or in the middle of a story, and they like, have to go for another 30 seconds <laughs> before they're ready. Because I think that we, we, we love the opportunity to share how we feel. Um, and I think that people are constantly surprised by what they hear other people say because they they didn't think there was more to be said. We just kind of ask questions and then we hear an answer and we're, we're ready to respond with our opinion or something, um, as opposed to just listening to listen and how powerful that can be in our relationships um, and in, in our communities when we create that space for people to uh, just listen and, and feel heard um, and, and, and create something in ourselves that just wants to know for the sake of knowing as opposed to arguing or something like that. That's right, yeah, and open up in ourselves the possibility that there's something more that we don't know. Yeah, yeah in absolutely. All, in all areas, and of course in terms of church, that, that means theologically, it means um, it means not just what we believe, but how we believe, uh, you know, how we hold our beliefs. I mean, how we hold our beliefs has to change if we're being curious. Well, mm-hmm. you have to hold your beliefs with an open hand if you're going to be curious. Um, otherwise, you're just you, you can't be curious and have your hands closed um, because you're not open Absolutely. to anything. So, yeah, I, I've I think it's really I think back to some times in my life. I, I grew up in a, a more of a Southern Baptist kind of non-denominational evangelical setting, and you know when I was younger, I I was always really liked books as a kid growing up. And mm-hmm. as a teenager, I had often so many questions about faith. And I, I attended church very regularly. Um, and I always had so many questions. And the number of times that I, I got some version of like, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> when I asked like a very real question about faith, um, was, was I, I couldn't even count. And it was so frustrating as a teenager uh, because, you know, we were reading... I remember really distinctly my youth pastor growing up uh, used to do this thing he called Stump the Chump and it was like a Sunday morning where like we could just raise our hands and our youth group could just ask him questions like on the spot and he'd answer them and I remember uh, I I was in my senior year of high school we had just finished 
uh, Dante's Inferno, and we were reading through Paradise Lost. And there's this line in Paradise Lost uh, that, to this day, I, I still think about, and it's uh, basically Satan comes comes down to Earth after God has created everything in, in Paradise Lost, and uh, looks around, and there's like a whole like section where Satan like laments, like rebelling against God. And I remember as like a teenager uh, thinking, "What is this possible? Like, do I first of all do I, do I believe in the figure of Satan? And like, does Satan can Satan like still regret?" And so I remember asking this to my youth pastor, raising my hand, and being like, "I'm reading this book, a tool, and it talks about like Satan having regret and like feeling bad. Do you, do you think that Satan feels regret?" And my youth pastor just looked at me and was like, mm, "I don't think it matters." And like, literally didn't answer my question. Whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, I, and I think back to that moment as a teenager, and I'm like, see, that's like that is the kind of curiosity that that gets shot down in our society. That like we we cannot accept the fact that people, not even just teenagers, adults, have these kinds of questions, and we're not willing to engage them. Like we just don't want to talk about them. And like, I was really upset as a teenager that my that my youth pastor wouldn't answer that question because I was like. But if this is true, like, if Satan regrets things, then, like, is Satan actually evil? Like, you know, I, I'm probably going to go into spiral as, like, an 18-year-old. Uh, but, I, but I think, like, that is such a prime example. And has always stood out to me is, like, curiosity is not valued in so many of our faith traditions. That this, like, and when we kind of blend our imagination and our curiosity, it's suddenly very unwelcome when it comes to our faith. And I think that couldn't be further from, from the reality of what faith is. Like, faith has to be the things alive and living and for us to not welcome that, like, nuanced, complex reality is to say that, like, we're, we're ignoring uh, the humanness that comes with uh, belief, that comes with wanting to understand who God is and being in community with each other, um, and all of those things that wrapped up in our extraordinarily messy. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, you, that's such a powerful story. It really is. Uh, yeah, just how we've ingrained this into our culture that it's not okay to be curious and it's not okay to ask questions. And even when you have a more progressive culture, even then they have their own boundaries of where you can't uh -huh. ask questions. So they sound like, their language sounds very progressive and liberal and, you know, kind of free. But actually there's best boundaries with that as well. And... That's progressive fundamentalism, essentially. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's scary, really, when you think about it. How we can change the language of something and still be doing exactly the same thing, still not being curious, really. You know, we just um, because the people that I think the people that get from one fundamentalism to another didn't do it out of curiosity; they did it out of necessity, mm -hmm. like for survival, almost. Um, and real growth comes, in my experience, when you are genuinely curious and you take the risk to grow and don't set an outcome. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of my friends just described, uh, we, we've talked a lot about kind of curiosity and we talked about religion. And, and one of the things that we often discuss is the way that religion kind of makes our faith uh, like it's supposed to fit into a box and, and this is true I think in, in progressive spaces and more conservative spaces like you said James and I think that the, the earliest leaders of any faith tradition 
um, had much more of a, of a spirituality that was like almost like self-birthing, like it kind of like created itself out of both necessity and curiosity. And um, I, I am a part of a very progressive church where I live, um, but I do lament the lack of curiosity often. Um, I, I think that we're afraid of embedding creativity. I think that progressives tend to find themselves um, more skeptical of like the emotionality that comes with the spirituality um, and, and the role of our feelings that and our brains. Uh, and I think that's the area that I think progressives really don't want you to be curious because they're very skeptical of it. Um, and, and that to me is such a disservice because I think that we're kind of offered these false choices when it comes to our faith. Uh, when it comes to our, our spiritual beliefs at all, that we kind of have to pick uh, between fundamentalism, just types of fundamentalism, like you said. And um, I think curiosity makes people uncomfortable on all sides because it, 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 it basically questions the nature of why do things have to be the way they are. Uh, and nobody wants to answer that question because often we don't have a good answer. Um, often our answer to that question is it's just because we've done it like this for so long and we have no idea how to do it any other way. But we don't want to say that. Uh, so we would just rather nobody ask the question. Yeah, and, and even I noticed this in politics as well, that with the kind of progressive fundamentalism in politics, that we also, if we want change, we want to we want to be setting out the outcome and how that change will be made. Mm-hmm. Like we, so, you know, you use the example of it has to be this leader and this set of policies and this framework and this like this is the only way, you know, uh, which is fundamentalism in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, Rather than saying, okay, we need we need genuine change in our whether it's the church or culture or politics or whatever, let's just ask, keep asking questions and see where this goes, and see what is a healthy way to do this, uh, yeah. and what that looks like, and be open to whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree. I I think you're also getting at something else, too, which is that people don't really uh, adopt curiosity because it's not very efficient, Mm. Uh, right? Like, it's not very efficient to sit in a room and spend an hour and a half just asking each other questions with really no ulterior motive. Uh, The reality is that that kind of behavior produces a lot of good fruit, which is things like we're building trust, we're building empathy, we're understanding one another better, we might generate new ideas. But in the moment, if I'm like, let's spend an hour just sitting and like, like spending time with people maybe we don't spend time with in our faith communities, getting to know each other on a deeper level, uh, people see that as irrelevant and not, uh, not uh, a good use of time. And I think that in the same context, in politics, we don't really want to spend a lot of time sitting around asking those kinds of questions, like you mentioned, James, because it's not seen as a good use of time. Um, which I think is a way that, in my opinion, capitalism kind of creeps its way into pushing creativity out uh, because it says that we, we need to value efficiency over anything else that could potentially happen in this room. Uh, and I think it, it quashes really the, the, the spirit and the mentality behind uh, endless possibility that comes with be, believing that creativity can, can function in that way uh, mm. and, and kind of confines us to a the way things have always been for the sake of efficiency absolutely yeah and that is capitalism you know it's like you can create but only when it fits into our structure only when it fits into (laughs) our our system only when it benefits us only when it's efficient you know which is like in in terms of the writing world i have seen this uh, with with the rise of people who sell courses and 
uh, you know, and who are all about helping people make profit, helping people build a platform, helping people kind of make money from you know what they do, uh, and the money making the make the making money is the most important thing. It's not. It's not the creativity. It's not the authenticity. It's not the curiosity. Like and uh, and I read and I understand, and the what my route into understanding curiosity was Elizabeth Gilbert uh, and um, her book Big Magic, which is a book about creativity. And mm. one of the big things she talks about is is curiosity, and it was like it was a completely her book was a complete antithesis of what I had seen from these other people who basically were like, writing is about making, we write to make money. And (laughs) her thing, her perspective was, no, we just follow our curiosity and see where it takes us and create what is, Mm. what is in us to create, which is what I love. Um, And that's what curiosity is. And that's why it's so, you're right, and you're completely against what capitalism is for. Yeah, yeah. And it's really a shame too, because I think that when we find ourselves um, so resistant to create to curiosity as like a, a practice and something that we adopt into our our lives holistically. Um, I think we have a harder time uh, being flexible, and I think this pandemic is a really good example of that. Mm, is that yeah. I think people are really churches, and I would say even to some degree businesses and governments are struggling with adopting because we're so set on doing things a particular way, and we never valued in educational settings. We never really value in professional settings, uh, people being curious and taking risks. And I think we, you know, we talked about this already, but curiosity is a risk. And when we don't, we're not in the practice of taking risks, it's a lot harder to do. And in this situation, in the pandemic and and everything that's been happening in 2020, you know, so many churches and businesses are having to take risks that they've never taken before because they've been, so set on just doing things the same way. And I think that if we were to adopt curiosity um, as a part of kind of our ethos and the ways that we interact, the ways that we think about programming, the ways that we think about just existing, I think that it would be so much easier for us to, to re, reshape ourselves, to recreate ourselves when the time comes. Um, and I think to what as I watch churches, they're getting better at it six months into being locked down uh, from us in the U.S., but that, those first like six weeks, everyone was like sitting on their hands because they were like, we don't know what to do. We're paralyzed because we, we've never taken the risk because we've never spent any time even being curious about how to do it differently. Um, and my hope is that when we kind of return to some version of quote normal life, uh, that we value curiosity a little bit more because as we've seen, you know, so many of us are out of practice with it and how valuable would it be if we could be more nimble right now? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, um, the the pandemic has amplified everything for me. I, I've said this quite a few times that mm. how the pandemic has amp- amplified things, and and that's what I've noticed is people wanting to go back to normal. They want to go back to what they know. They want to go back to certainty, and you know. And this is a big. This is kind of a big experience of grief for for all of us in in its own way you know we're all going through this collective grief and what i see in that is an opportunity to be curious and to create something new and other people don't see it that way and and having been through grief and trauma and come out and 
had to had to imagine a different way and be curious and take risks and seeing the result of that in myself I'm like well what if we did this what if everyone did this what if we did this as a as a as a as a society post pandemic this would be a great way to begin transformation and healing as a culture or you know as then as churches in their response but I don't but of course people want to go back to normal and they want yeah. they don't want to be curious they just want to go back to what they know yeah I I, I really do genuinely hope that after you know when, whenever we return to some some version of you know life as it was before you know 2020 of this year uh I, I hope that we don't lose the the kind of the entrepreneurial uh creativity curious spirit that i think so many people have adopted in the past couple of months um and even would say even to some degree the, the ways that we've made an effort to try to understand people in new ways um one of the ways that i think this has kind of popped up that i think has been really wonderful is the ways that workplaces have kind of uh, realize the demands that parents have while trying to also work full time. And I think that is an area that's just a great example of uh, workplaces have just kind of assumed this is either how your life is or I don't care. I'm not interested in being curious and you need to show up and be here from nine to five. And the pandemic has basically said, you can't have employees that way. <laughs> uh, and yeah. so you need to care. You need to ask questions. You need to figure out what times work for your teams and, you know, what do you do when someone's kids are screaming on a call? And uh, are you okay with those things? And and I think that uh, we're being forced to accept the fact that people have different realities across the board. And my hope is that those kinds of patterns and behaviors, those kinds of um, attentiveness to our difference uh, can be held after this pandemic passes because I think that it has, um, I think it is, um, held more space for people uh, in ways that we don't generally it has given them more grace to be able to say I just can't be here right now or I just can't do this um, mm. that I don't think we generally even ask about like we're, we're asking our friends questions that I think most of us generally don't ask yeah. because of we're in a pandemic and and I hope that that is not something we lose once we all return back to you know some version of normal yeah saying so I already feel that there's an opportunity I just want us to be able to take it. Uh, yeah. I really hope we, we can learn how to grieve well. And grieving well, part of grieving well, to be honest, is being curious and imagining a new tomorrow. Imagining yeah. and being open to whatever that looks like. So, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and, I mean, practically speaking, people who maybe want to be more curious in their lives and have struggled, what what one or two things would you suggest? So one of the things that I think um, that I, I've, I've worked on over the past few years is becoming more aware of how I interact in a dialogue with another person, particularly when I'm thinking like a, like a one-on-one, like you and another person. Hmm. Um, and I think that curiosity uh, is really hard to do when we're not aware of kind of our natural patterns. Uh, for example, I think a really common exchange is I tell a story and then the person across from me says, oh, I know what that's like, and then also tells the story. I think that's totally human, and that's not bad. But I think in order to be more curious, we have to be aware that that's how we're responding to other people. And so if you tell me a story, then a way that maybe I can be more curious is not respond with my own story, but ask you more questions about that story or how mm. that makes you feel or 
uh, tell me more about that. Or, um, wow, that must have been really tough. Uh, how did so-and-so feel about, about that, what, that story? Um, what was that like for your family? Instead of responding with my own opinions and experiences, leaning into your opinions and experiences. Um, and, and as I have become more aware of that, I think that's helped me quite a bit is be able to say like, oh, I have told three stories in a row here. <laughs> and in response to the other person, I need to ask some, some more questions. Um, and I think that, that, first of all, that awareness is really helpful. Um, I would say, secondly, another thing is uh, pick up a book or follow an Instagram account that you have no interest in. Uh, I think that is one of the, you know, people who talk a lot about creativity talk about how creativity is, is kind of uh, a pollination. Like it's, it's, it's when you pollinate from different areas and they kind of overlap on each other and you get to a new idea. And I think that when we allow ourselves to be curious um, away from our necessarily our kind of our core interests, we allow open ourselves up to new ideas and we open ourselves up to new creative ways of thinking about things. Um, and so my advice to people is always, if you've ever been interested in something but never really pursued it, get a book on it. Or find somebody on Instagram who is a semi-expert in that thing. Uh, the internet is an incredible place to learn about literally anything. So be intentional. Curate your social media in such a way that it's your friends and your family and people that you like to follow, but also sometimes things that you don't know anything about. Uh, because you would be surprised by how much you learn from just like kind of passively scrolling. Uh, and it's a way for us to take kind of a little bit more control over how we spend that leisurely time. Um, and then the last thing that I would I would suggest if, if you want to become more curious is uh, just to get in the habit of even questioning, uh, learning more about our own selves. And I think that can be as simple as uh, noticing that we're upset about something and instead of being like, oh, it's fine, and brushing past it, asking ourselves why. Um, taking that time to become more aware of ourselves because it allows us to be more patient with others as they kind of work through their own awareness. Um, I think it's really difficult to be curious about another person when you are not very curious about yourself. Um, and when the, the more in tune you become with yourself, I think the more likely you are to care about how other people are experiencing things and feeling um, and, and what they're thinking about. Absolutely. I completely agree. Love those. Love those. That's three simple things we can do to be more curious. Um, yeah. Um, this has been a really great conversation. Um, I've loved it I'm I'm sure everyone else has loved it as well and it, it's really I think it's a great place to end in that you know what you said that last point when we when we you know when we start to get curious about ourselves and start asking ourselves questions about those little things that allows us to have more empathy and start asking questions about other people and yeah. we can start listening to their stories and that will take us into next week you know where we can start exploring how we listen to people's stories um but it begins with that curiosity and getting to know your curiosity about yourself and curiosity about others and the world so thank you um for today yeah. this was excellent it was uh, really really wonderful talking with you james yeah it was and uh i'm looking forward to the next time um just yeah. Just to let, let people know where they can find your work. Yeah, so uh, I am on Instagram. Uh, my handle is in the water uh, with two underscores after it. And then I also have a website, which is uh, in the water.co. Um, and that's 
you'll find information on uh, the consulting work that I do, uh, the workshops that I normally hold. You know, COVID has changed everything for all of us. Um, and a little bit about uh, kind of my story and, and how I got into this. So you can find all of it there. Fantastic. Fantastic. And do check that out. I'd highly recommend it. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Victoria. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, join us for the final part of this series next week.